this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Rebecca Now. Rebecca is a historical, make that her historical, reenactor of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, a key American player in the 19th century women's movement. Hi, Rebecca. Let's learn about this amazing woman. Thank you, Mish. I'm so excited to be here. I have never been called weird and wacky, and oh, it feels good. Come on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you long. No, no. Weird and wacky. All my, everybody I ask on here is weird and wacky in the good way, right? There's weird and wacky in the bad way. We're weird and wacky in the good way. All right. So there you go. Sounds good. But I get to, so I've known you for a while, but of course I'm going to learn more about you right now. And I feel like this is awesome because I get to learn more about you and more about Elizabeth. How did you get started in all of this? How did you decide, Elizabeth Katie Stanton, I got to tell everybody about this. I got to tell being. everybody. That what happened is I had been a longtime member of a Toastmasters club in Webster Groves, and I was working through the program to become a distinguished Toastmaster. And one of the assignments was interpretive reading. And we had to read a poem. We had to write, read a short story. And it was all about presenting yourself. But one of the assignments was to find a speech from history and hmm. present it. So you're not creating your own words, you're presenting someone else's words. And we had club members doing JFK's inaugural speech and uh, Gettysburg Address. Gotcha. I was looking for this one woman I knew from history and I couldn't find her and I stumbled upon a speech by Elizabeth Cady Stanton, 1848 Seneca Falls Convention. I read this speech, and I was amazed. And I, I was so drawn to what she said. She was so strong and forceful and articulate and laid out so many wrongs of women uh, that I gave the speech. I had to shorten it a little bit for the time frame. And I just, uh, it just called to me. This was what uh, I wanted to present. And my evaluator that evening said, Rebecca, all you need is a costume. Oh, cool. And his encouragement of my speech said, well, I could do that. So I called around some people I knew in theater departments and said, who do you know that can sew a costume for me? And I did it. And I was also going with them. Gateway to Dreams. I was part of the, a launch team there, and we would meet every week, and all the women, and we had one guy, all of us around the table would share our own little passion. And I I just kind of timidly said, I'm thinking about reenacting this woman that nobody's heard of. And they were very encouraging. Oh, cool. Well, that's Karen Hoffman. She's yeah. And her, everyone in her, her <laughs> sphere is very encouraging. And you know, after I read her words and I was so impressed with what Elizabeth Katie Stanton said and when she said it, and then my second question was, why have I never heard of this woman? That is such a question that comes up in my mind a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I started to get angry. Mm-hmm. And say, she was a very important woman in our history. And for years, I would ask people, you know, I do Elizabeth Cady Stanton. That's who I reenact. And I could see in the face of the woman or, woman or man I was talking to, they had no clue. Who? 
And Who's that? I, and I what said, don't do? worry about it. 85% of the people in our generation, I'm a baby boomer, have no clue. Now, it's gotten a little bit better because I was going to Webster University during um, 2017 to 2021, and I would meet people in younger generations. And I kept asking them my memory of my high school history book, which is many decades ago, was that the women's movement was covered by one photograph and one paragraph. And we were, quote, given, granted (laughs) the vote. Gosh, thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much. So this is such a big thing for me right now is is, um, I was not into history at all growing up. And I, and I, I, I felt like it was just about war. Like, oh, we had another war. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, we boy, we've really learned a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the thing that that I, as you know, an older person now and looking back, I feel like I kind of knew there was a lot more to the story where I could be rep- where you know, I mean, I didn't feel like I was being represented in history. I didn't feel like black people were being re- represented in what was being taught to me. I, a number of different types of cultures and people were never, I don't know a damn thing about them. I yeah. know I know about white guys. So I was I I now realize why did of course I wasn't interested. I wasn't really reflected other than oh Betsy Ross, she's soda flat. Yeah, it was you Betsy know? Ross. Right, yeah. you know. Maybe Clara and, Barton. Yeah, right. You know, there were a few. Right. The Rosa Parks, you, you know, know who, uh, but drew you didn't to me know when much I was more about girl. them. Yeah, I was drawn to Nellie Bly. I always wanted to be a journalist, and Nellie Bly was this amazing woman uh, post Civil War who was a journalist. She traveled around the world, and she infiltrated an insane asylum and wrote a expose of how supposedly insane people were treated. Interesting. And she was my young person, middle school heroine. That's who I wanted to be was Nellie Bly. Oh, that's so cool. And I love that you're bringing this to, you know, you're you're giving Elizabeth a bigger stage now. Right. I, I am making an attempt, and things have changed since the 1970s. A lot of people have uncovered women's history. Yep. Lots of books out there at many... Women who have gotten um, scholarly degrees in history have uncovered a lot of other, have brought to light the history that was always there. As Gloria Steinem once said, women have always been part of the past. They just haven't been part of history. Love it. But now they are part of not only history, but her story. Right. And that's what I'm all about, is bringing... Not just Elizabeth Cady Stanton, but most particularly three monumental women of the 19th century. Because you really can't discuss Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who was a feminist thinker and writer and way shower, without discussing Susan B. Anthony. And they partnered up uh, three years after Seneca Falls Convention in 1848. They met on the streets of Seneca Falls in 1851. And Susan was working in the abolitionist and temperance movement. And the two... and. 
Elizabeth would help Susan with her speeches to the Teachers Association or the Temperance Association. And Susan realized that the men in these groups didn't want women to speak. And it really brought out Susan, Susan's ire at that. And then the two of them became lifelong friends and political partners. Oh, for cool. 50 years, Susan and Elizabeth worked together. You really can't discuss one without the other. Yeah, no kidding. Because they worked together. And uh, Elizabeth had seven children. Susan was single and uh, childless. She, uh, Susan was the organizer. Uh, for the most part, um, Elizabeth was a speechwriter and the thinker and philosophizer and the wordsmith, if you will. But Susan prodded her whenever she was down. You know, do you ever have a friend who keeps you going? Well, oh, yes. I when, have many of those, thank goodness, because yeah, you need those people you need in your those life. people in we, your life. We get in our heads and start making up our own crazy stories. <laughs> and we're like, why am I in this funk? And you got to get a friend to go, get me out of this funk. I'm in a funk. Sp- yeah. You know? Yeah, Absolutely. And they can do it quickly sometimes. Uh, yes, it's a good, it's a very important thing. Okay, so let me ask you this: You've got two. Who's the third? A Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth was an enslaved woman in New York State. We don't know the exact date of her birth because they didn't keep exact records of slave birthdays. Hmm. But she was born approximately 1797. She spoke Dutch. It was she was uh, a slave in the Dutch aristocracy in New York, because New York was called New Amsterdam before it was changed to New York when the British took over. But um, she was freed when she was 27 years of age. Now, I want all of your listeners to think about someone who's 27 to 29 and imagine their entire life. Up to that point, they had no education. They were enslaved by three different owners that beat them and mistreated them and terrorized them, and Sojourner never learned to read or write. All of her records are dictated to people. She dictated letters. People read the newspaper to her. But anyway, she became at, um, I think she was 51, well, she was 43. She had been freed at that time because in New York State, they freed people about 1840, I believe it was. And she became an itinerant minister, and she changed her own name to Sojourner Truth. And she would wander around. She was asked to give testimony at abolitionist meetings, and she was a darn good speaker. And her moment of fame came in 1851 when she gave a speech in Akron, Ohio, at a women's rights meeting. And there were a lot of men in the audience, and they were heckling the women and saying, why do you need the vote? You get the best places at dinner. You get carried over mud puddles. Women have it so good. And Sojourner couldn't stand it any longer. And she said, may I say a few words? <laughs> she said, nobody ever helped me over med puddles. Nobody yes, ever gave exactly. me the best. And ain't I right, a woman? Right. And that was extremely a famous speech. And so these three women, this is kind of a cool thing, are now immortalized in Central Park in New York City as the monumental women. Oh, cool. That was just installed in August of 2020, and that this is the first time that a living woman has been in Central Park. 
I mean, they have a huge area that is statues of men, many of them British, uh, wordsmith and other Shakespeare, you know, British people. But this is the first actual statue of three living women. The only other woman was Alice in Wonderland, which was a <gasps> fictional character. Oh, I'll be darn. Okay. That's awesome then that we've got this now. And so, and I love, you know, I think it's really interesting and I think it's really important. A name is so important. And the fact that Sojourner said, okay, I'm, I'm changing my name because I I think that's a big deal to change your name. It's like a break from that. I'm done with that part. Exactly. And I need to move into this, this new being that I am becoming and I think that a name is an, a, a very powerful way to do that. Well, you're talking to the right person because I changed my last I, name. That's where I was going and, with uh, this because I you were been, not always Rebecca now. No, no. I had many names. I had my father's name as a young woman and then husband number one and then husband number two. And after I had divorced husband number two and my daughter had made it through school because that's a concern sometimes when you divorce Absolutely. having the same name as your offspring... I decided I didn't want my ex-husband's name on my tombstone. And it came to me kind of an epiphany. I'm Rebecca now. So it is a break from the patriarchy. I loved my father. He was a fabulous man, but I wanted my own name. And I swore when I changed my name in 2013... I said, I don't care if I get married five more times between now and when they etch that name on my tombstone or my mausoleum or wherever I'm laid to rest. Uh, Could be a tree, actually. But anyway. (laughs) There's there's a lot of different ways to do this. There is. (laughs) Uh, My last name is always going to be now. I'm never changing my name again, so... I love it. I just kind of got chills when you said that. That that felt like... That's a cool thing. I really love that. And I was glad that you wanted to talk about it because I wanted to know more. Good, good. <laughs> so right now you are, you're fundraising. Let's talk about your fundraising right now. Uh, we have an educational arts program called Voices of American Her Story. And that's what's on my t-shirt. And I brought you and your daughter a t-shirt. <gasps> you as a gift. We will wear these with pride. Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. You are welcome. Anyway, Voices of American Her Story brings to life a women, women's voices, and it's sometimes contemporary. Um, But we are doing a Kickstarter, which is a group uh, crowdfunding to get our film produced, finished post-production. We have filmed it and get it into schools. And we have each of our speeches, that would be Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, and Sojourner Truth, we have our sp- the words that these women spoke were in costume, and we have done it in such a way that it could be part of a middle school curriculum. Oh, how cool. Yeah, and the three of us are subject matter experts about our character. So one of the fun things, we just did a live performance the other week for an insurance company, of all things, for their Lunch and Learn. And the fun part, I mean, it's great to give our speeches and you really learn what it was like to be a woman in the 19th century. 
and what these three women were dealing with. And then in the question and answer, they it, it, we get to stay in character in our costumes and answer questions. Have you ever wanted to ask Susan B. Anthony a question? Or Sojourner Truth. This is your opportunity to ask any of these three women about their life. For instance, one of these three women got to meet with Abraham Lincoln in the White House. Would you like to guess, Mish? Okay. Let's see. Was it Sojourner? It was. Oh, good. Yeah, it was Sojourner Truth. She was very involved after the war was ending with the Freedman's Bureau. So she advocated for three things. Abolition, of course, before and during the war, um, women's rights, mm-hmm. and uh, help for the freed slaves. They needed a lot of support. Yeah, no kidding. Because that's another thing. It's like, oh, you're free. And it's like, well, now what am I supposed to do? I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, and, and I think now... We know more about, you know, when you've got, uh, there's there's lots of people in these, you know, these kids that, you know, are 18 and they they were taken away from their family, you know, for whatever reason. And then they're 18. It's like, okay, we're done. And you're like, well, now we have programs to help them move into another system. But when you have been living a certain way and all of a sudden, oh, there's this entire new way of living before you. And you're like, but I don't have a clue how to navigate this. I mean, I can't imagine that had to be really a difficult place to be. Right, right. Much better place to be, but still, like, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Right. Well, you you know know what many of the, you know, I'm a history buff, geek, whatever you want to call me now. Oh, tell me, tell me. I love the 19th century. There's so many great characters in there. But anyway, I... In one documentary I saw about the black church, it said after slavery ended, uh, the freed slaves were involved in two things, finding their families. And there are tragic posts all over the South trying to reconnect with their wife, their children, their parents. You know, just really, really right. sad. And then a reestablishment of, or or in some cases, an establishment of the black church because many slave owners felt spiritual gatherings were dangerous. There's you know? a lot of so that they, in the that history. was the priority right there. Like, let's find our family and let's get spiritually connected. That oh gosh. I mean it's it's a process. Yeah, right. Resiliency. A lot of resiliency there. So I have some questions for you. Oh yes. I'm ready. Oh no. Maybe I want the re- questions to be from Elizabeth, but so no, well, just, <laughs> no, but, I'm like, not in costume. No, I would love to do that though. Like, like what? What would be an awesome question to ask of Elizabeth Cady Stanton? What would be something awesome to ask? Oh my! Give us a piece I of guess, her history that you haven't shared yet. <laughs> what kept you going? Would be one of them. Okay. I mean, they had so many setbacks, these two women. Oh, I bet. Uh, after the Civil War, Elizabeth thought it was going to be easy to get women the right to vote. And then the two of them, Susan and Elizabeth, were very upset that the uh, 14th Amendment giving freed, uh, uh, the 15th Amendment giving male slaves the right to vote. It was the first time the word male was inserted in the Constitution. And 
there was a lot of disagreement within the abolitionist women's rights community about how to handle that. Right. And uh, Susan, and it created a split in the women's movement with Lucy Stone in Massachusetts wanting to go state by state, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton wanting to do a federal amendment. And it was very challenging for them. And they went around the country as far as California on a speaking tour in very brutal, rustic, primitive conditions, you know, before, sometimes before railroads, you know, they have to ride buck wagons. Oh, wow. Oh, it was just um, an amazing thing. And, you know, money was tight. They were not given some funds that they should have been by some of the abolitionist uh, people that were, had uh, agreed to it. So they went, they went through a very, very rough spell. And as Susan had once said, if it hadn't been, as Elizabeth once said, if it hadn't been for Susan, I might have just gone into narrow family selfishness. Yeah. But Susan was always beaten at her door saying, I need a speech for the next convention. We you need, need to, to do be this. at this. We need to do you that. Need to, you yeah, need to do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty um, interesting that that happened. Uh, and here we are now. I know. Here Here we we are are now. now. That, you know, and Mish, that's why I think it's so important to realize, you know, the the past is the past and it's gone. But once you realize how few rights women had, uh, that was the other thing when I discovered her speech is to learn that not only did women not have the right to vote until 1920 as a constitutional amendment, but women had no right to their own wages Women could not inherit property. It was totally legal for a man to beat his wife. Um, And even today, some on the radical fringe outspoken are saying, you know, women should really stay in bad marriages. This is in 2022. A man said that last week, uh, that they should really stay in their bad marriages. And I'm like, uh, I, I don't think so. So we have to be very cautious and we have to realize from whence we came. Yeah. And I don't want us to keep going back further and further. I mean, it, it, right. it just feels like, you know, you, you start, you know, okay, things are moving forward. Things are moving forward. And, and then... Roe v. Wade gets overturned, you know, and you're right. like, what? You know, it's 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 so difficult. And it might be difficult. Well, I what's I'm encouraging to me is that the younger generation is getting engaged. Yes. And they are aware. But the more history they know, the better. Because we don't you're right, we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forward. And I've always felt getting my other passion is getting more women elected to public office. That's a big one. And, and there are so I mean, and that's the thing. It's like there are a lot of there's, I believe there's more women than men in the United States. And so there's, I think that we... We're the, about 51%. Are we? I thought of we the were population. a little bit more than that. For some yeah, reason, I heard a different statistic, be. but that's, you know, well, we still, we, we have to get out there and really work it. And the, um, I'm hoping, because, you know, I look at my daughter and, and her group of friends, they're, you know, their head's all in the right place. I'm hoping that 
there are more of that generation that can break free from, you know, outdated thinking. I mean, I don't know what else to call it. It's it's outdated. It's it's absolutely wrong. It just is. It's yeah. wrong. You know, we are supposedly in the land of the free. Well, not for everybody. But we still have yes. ge- we still <laughs> so, have gender inequality. Absolutely. And uh, right now, women in all elected offices, whether it's Congress, state houses, state reps, are about twenty four percent. That okay? Means, yeah. A- across the board, it's about twenty four percent. So I've always wanted to get it to fifty fifty. Yep. All right. Which I agree. Still would be one percent lower than women's representation in the population. Um, However, if we could just get it to 30%, I was told by this one study I read in a book by Zoe Nicholson, who was a woman who fasted for 31 days to get the ERA passed in 1982. She wrote a book, and she says in her epilogue that there was one study that said if women can get to 30% in all elected offices, that's the tipping point where they really Really? have clout. Ooh. Now that's achievable. Yeah, that feels much more achievable Does for, uh, in the, you know, in the near future In kind the of near thing. future. So if we could just get across the board 30%, that means 30 senators and everything else down the line right. <laughs> to dog catcher. Uh, do we still have dog catchers? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, actually. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, th- through city councils, school boards, mayors, 30% should be our goal. And if we could do that, it could make, that's like the tipping point. Yay. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That makes me feel like yeah, we could do that. We could do that's that. Like, that's like something that could happen sooner than later. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Rebecca. Okay, my next question for you is, is there any other historical figure that you would consider reenacting at some point? Is there somebody else you're like, hey, for my second reenactment? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so funny. We, I was just talking with my team this morning about expanding our reenactors. And... um I mean, the most important one would be Alice Paul and Carrie Chapman Catt. Now, these two women, you know, the three women I spoke of earlier all died early or in the um, 20th century. So they didn't take the amendment over the finish line, the goal line. Got yeah. So I when I was studying, it's like, well, who did it? How did they do it? So I, you know, read a whole bunch of more books and discovered these two ladies. Carrie Chapman Catt was the uh, head of the American Women's Suffrage Association, American Women's National, because it remerged. And she was sort of the legacy of Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And she ran a massive organization of millions of women, and she developed the winning plan in 1916 to get the vote across. And then you also had, this is such a great story, Alice Paul, who had been in England, had learned from the Pankhursts about radical demonstrations and fasting and other nonviolent ways until the British turned violent. She didn't turn violent. She came back to the United States and 
organized parades. She did so many innovative things. The silent sentinels that picketed the White House, Alice Paul was the first one to do it. I mean, she garnered publicity. So you had these two women, sort of the old guard, uh, Carrie Chapman, Chapman Cat, and then the younger generation at the gate, represented by Alice Paul. They didn't like each other. They kind of fought, but they ended up playing good cop, bad cop with Woodrow Wilson, Interesting. the president. So Alice and her folks would be demonstrating. They got thrown in prison. They got lots of publicity for the movement. Carrie Chapman Cat was a delicate, refined woman but a very smart cookie. And she had tea with Woodrow Wilson and was kind of nudging him along. So that was, you know, one of them had his ear, the other one was a thorn in his side. A gotcha. And then when they finally got Woodrow Wilson to support the 19th Amendment and it got through Congress, all right? Finally, it's ready to go be ratified by the states. And Carrie Chapman Catt had an organization ready to lobby every state legislator. They had shoeboxes, and they'd already had a relationship with every legislator in every state, and they just, she unleashed them via telegrams and said, okay, let's get to work. And it would not have passed without both of these women. Very cool. I feel like I'm learning so much Oh, and it was just, it was just... um, a off-Broadway musical, which oh, really? hopefully is going to Broadway. And I got to see it uh, earlier this year. It's called Suffs, S-U-F-F-S. Okay. By a very talented woman, Shana, Shana Trainin. She composed it. She starred as Alice Paul. Fabulous music. It was in the public theater, the same theater where Hamilton had its debut. Oh, cool. So if that goes to Broadway, it tells this whole story about Carrie Chapman Cat and Alice Paul, and it is a fabulous story. Really. I love it. This is awesome. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm learning so much, and I I like (laughs) what I'm learning. So I always ask, you know, my podcast is really centered around kindness, and you're here because I was like, you know, this is kindness. This is teaching us things that we should have learned and now we're learning them, and you you embody it literally when you're out there talking about Elizabeth and Sojourner and all the other people that you've mentioned. I love it. For you, I want you to share with us some sort of kindness you've either witnessed or received or given as of late, just some something that's top of mind kindness. Oh, top of mind kindness. I sometimes wear a wristband that says kindness is courage. I'm a believer in acknowledgement and appreciating people. Yes. I'm also a believer in unexpected happy surprises, both receiving them and giving them. So I love to bring something to somebody that's unexpected. Like my T-shirts. Thank you. (laughs) Well, there you go. There was my act of kindness. I gave Mish and her daughter. There. I love it. Yes. Two T-shirts. I feel your daughter is part of all this too. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. Taking flowers to the person who watered my plants when I was out of town, that kind of thing. So I like to appreciate people. I love that. And it's so important. I mean, so and it doesn't take a lot. You know, I think people forget that 
it does you don't necessarily even have to go pick up flowers just you know actually pick up your phone and call them it's like hey i was just thinking about or texting them you know mm-hmm. i will do that a lot with people just they'll come up in my head and i'll think i don't know why you're coming up in my head but i feel like i should just reach out and be like hey hope everything's well i was just thinking about you you know yeah and it's it's interesting how many of those people there's actually something going on that they need to talk to somebody about right. you know and I, and i th- think it's important that i have reached out you know yeah exactly but, um, I love it. Well, Rebecca, now, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I hope your fundraiser goes amazing. I love that you're bringing this to schools. I love that you're bringing it to insurance companies. (laughs) It's just so May I tell you the website? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Where can everybody find out more? It is www.voicesofamericanherstory.com. Story.com. Voices of American Herstory.com. Awesome. Go get that into schools, everybody. Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash Podcast. Go be kind and learn about women in history. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>